Father, I ask too that you would continue to help us to worship today. I thank you, God, for your spirit among us today. I thank you, God, how you have given those this morning a song to sing. God, that as we read Scripture, that there was things in the Scripture that Mike saw and that Eric saw that, that they drew out of that reading. Thank You, God, that we can see the, the tie-in between the songs and the, and the prayers and the words that we've read, which were not planned by us. But I just see it as a significant evidence of Your Spirit moving among us. That it may look natural, but what we see is that You are, by Your Spirit, guiding us and letting Your Word and Your truth of the Gospel come out in song lyrics and in Scripture readings and in prayers. And I, I hope, God, in the meditations of our hearts, I ask, God, for the empowerment to speak well today. Not so well that people forget Your power, but not to be deficient in speaking so that I'm a distraction. I pray for the gift of hearing today. That we would hear Your Word by the power of Your Spirit. And that You, God, would change our lives and our hearts and our minds and that You would give us joy. You have given us Your Word and You have empowered it. So I pray now for worship in and through Your Word in preaching and hearing. In Jesus' name, we rely on Him. Amen. We are... Finishing up today this series in Proverbs. And we started about four months ago. And early on in this series, in the first couple of messages, I defined to you wisdom. And I, I said that I, I believe wisdom, biblically, and, and what we would look at throughout this series, is that wisdom is being skillful in godly living. When Proverbs talks about Proverbs talks about being wise, it means it's talking about being skilled in something. And wisdom is all about being skillful in living in a way that pleases God. And and Proverbs is a book that has all of these accumulated sayings of wisdom that God has ordained to help us gain that skill. And so the way my mind works, when we get to the end of a series, when we go through a book of the Bible, and we come to the end of that, and we could keep going and going and going, and if you've been here for a while, you know that. We could do that. But when you come to the end of a teaching series, my thought is, God, what do I want us to take away from this? What do I hope the church gets, the congregation? What do we gain from this study? And so I certainly am praying that we are a wiser church than when we started this series. I'm certainly praying that we will grow in wisdom as a congregation in the weeks ahead, in the years ahead. But in order to see that accomplished, I'm praying that Proverbs will become part of our diet, if you will, of discipleship. That we are not... While we may leave Proverbs in a teaching series, that we are not leaving Proverbs as a church. I pray that we will come back to it again and again and again as part of your weekly or even daily Bible reading that you 
you will come back to these wise sayings. That you'll meditate on them and that you will let that wisdom that comes from those wise sayings shape your life. And the two ways we talk about wisdom that Proverbs and and wisdom in general shapes our life is one, what we do because you want to act wisely, but also how we do it. Because one of the things that a wise person will learn, one of the things that you will learn as you are seeking wisdom is that there is a wrong way to be right. There is a wrong way for you to be right. And perhaps there's no greater context in which we see this truth play out than when it comes to the final topic that we're going to focus on in this series. And that is how we speak our mouths. Specifically, how we talk to others. How many times have we found ourselves in a place where we were convinced we were right? That the facts were on our side? That fairness was on our side? That justice was on our side? Yet in the end, we end up expressing our rightness in a very unkind way. In an uncompassionate way. In a rigid way. In an ungodly way. And so while we may be right in content, we actually end up displaying our foolishness in the way that we express our rightness. In our nearly 24 years of marriage, we've been married, Alice and I, 24 years um, in August. There is one argument that we have had that really stands out to me. And not because of the topic and not because of the circumstance, and she's extremely nervous right now. But this one's on me. So... The ones that come to mind, they're on her. I'm not dare going to mention. But this one's on me. And the reason it stands out to me is because of the way it ended. When she looked at me with this defeated, resigned expression, and she said, I will never be able to out-argue you. You are better at words than I am. And I will never be able to out-argue you. You see, God has gifted me in, in some way or form to be able to craft influential speech. Yet I had in me, and perhaps I still have this that I wrestle with, but I had in me a determination to win. The argument and arguments we were having in our marriage were not about trying to find peace and reconciliation and and what was right. It was about me proving that I was right. It was about me winning the argument. And I was using this gift that God had given me, but that gift was being attached to some wrong motivations. And what I failed to see was the cost. 
and how utterly helpless and utterly defeated that my wife would feel in the process of us arguing. You see, when you and I find ourselves struggling with our mouths, when we're uncharitable, when we're harsh, when we are argumentative, when we're critical, when we are gossiping or slandering, when we deceive people or we exaggerate in order to try to make a point or convince someone of our side, when we're too quick to speak, when we talk too much, even flattery, where we compliment people because we're trying to gain something from them, in all of those issues with our mouth, the resolution is not simply learning self-control. Although I will agree that the Bible tells us putting a guard on our mouth is important, even commands us to do that. But just as important as self-control, I'll actually say more important than learning self-control is exploring the motivation and what is causing us to speak foolishly. Proverbs 25.2, which is not in your handout, but Proverbs 25.2 says it is the glory of God to conceal things. But it is the glory of kings to search them out. God has made certain aspects of life and eternity a mystery. And that is sometimes really frustrating to us. That there are certain things that we cannot know or there are certain things we can't easily understand. But Proverbs says that is to the glory of God because it reminds us that He alone has all knowledge and that there are some things that are too great for us to comprehend or there are some things that are too great for us to comprehend in that moment of our spiritual life because we need to mature and grow. And God has given us at the same time that it is His glory to hide things or hide some things. It is our glory to search things out and receive from Him as we search them. There is wisdom in being a person who wants to go to God and inquire of Him. There is wisdom in being a person that wants to learn what God is doing in our lives and in the world around us. I might wonder why God chooses on a Sunday morning to pour the rain down in this building so I have to scream at all of you. But it is His glory to know that. And it is my glory to search it out. And you can always move up. He has given us minds that have the ability to expand. He has given us minds that have the ability to increase in knowledge. And He has given us the responsibility to seek things out that He has hidden. And in your handout, if you're a note taker, one of the great mysteries of God that He has given us to seek out is the mystery of the heart. In particular how our heart directs all of our life, including what we say and how we say it. 
It is a mystery of God that you and I do not act randomly. We do not speak randomly. How we act and what we say and how we say it is sourced in our heart. Our heart directs all of our life. When the Bible talks about our heart, it's not merely speaking of the muscle that is pumping blood throughout our body. Although, that is a great illustration. Your, that muscle, that heart muscle, gives life to your whole body. To all of your extremities, everything. That heart pumping blood is what allows you to live. In a biblical sense, the heart is the center of your being. The heart is what gives blood and life to all of your being. Proverbs 4 says it is the wellspring of life. And so we talked about this on Easter Sunday, if you were here for that, but we talked about how your heart is the source of your greatest desires. Your heart is the source of your plans. Your heart is the source of your very will to act. You are not acting in random. You are not thinking in random. It's coming from your heart. And you are not speaking in random. Part of the mystery of the heart is that it has been misshapen by the effect of sin. Part of God's mystery is that He says in order for us to live wisely and godly, He has to take out of us that twisted heart and give us a brand new one. And the mystery of the gospel is that the reality of that miracle of heart change that God must do in us is what Jesus called being born again, being reborn through belief in Him. And another part of this mystery is that God did not choose when you were born again to immediately change your heart completely. In one sense, He does. In another sense, you will now spend the rest of your life in Christ on this earth, growing and maturing in your heart being healed. That is the mystery of God that He chose to do that. It's called sanctification. And that's why we talked about last week, we shouldn't be surprised when we have conflict with one another. We shouldn't be surprised when we have disagreements. Why? Because if you're a believer in this room, you are in the middle of your sanctification. And so is everyone around you. We are not yet perfected. And so we're going to have times where we But heads, we're learning to live out of those new hearts that God has given us. And like everything else about us, because our hearts ultimately determines what we do, our heart also ultimately determines what happens when we open our mouth. Learning to speak rightly. And let's let's just let's be honest, okay? Let's just like I knew we were going to address this at some point. There's not a person that doesn't struggle with what they say and how they say it. Nobody gets out of this life without that struggle. There may be times in our lives we struggle with it more than others. We may be at different parts in that maturity process, but it's a struggle for all of us. 
And learning to speak rightly is part of sanctification. It's the mystery of spiritual growth. I want you to notice in your sermon text this morning and what Eric read for us. I picked out a few verses from Proverbs 15. I want you to notice the very practical reminders of the power of our words. Why does this matter? Because what you say, what I say has power. And I'm not talking about in a I'm not talking about in a prosperity gospel type of teaching where the by you know where where some churches will teach your little gods and you can create things with your words. That's not what I'm talking about. But don't let that incorrect truth bias you away from what the Bible does say, which is your words have power. Verse 1. You can often de-escalate a situation by simply responding to someone gently. Simply by giving a response, literally, delicately, and carefully, you can de-escalate a conflict. Which was the topic of our sermon last week. In verse 2, we are told that a wise person by how they speak, can make the knowledge of God attractive. You can commend the knowledge of God to someone by how you speak when you speak wisely. In other words, they they hear your words, they hear your tone, they, they hear your counsel. And not only do those words perhaps sound good to them, but the wisdom and knowledge of God is appealing to them because of what you say. In verse 4, we are told that the gentle speech of the wise, and there the word gentle in the original language doesn't just mean delicate, but it means medicinal or healing. The healing speech of the wise is like a tree of life. Picture an incredible tree in your yard bearing luscious fruit, and people your family, whoever, going to that tree and picking that fruit and being nourished by it and enjoying it. And Proverbs says that can be your life when you speak wisely. That the words that come from your life can be like a tree that gives good fruit to those who partake in it. Solomon writes this way throughout Proverbs. I could go on and on and on. He presents to us over and over again the power of speech. And how necessary it is for wise people to be responsible for what they say and how they say it. In chapter 18, he will go as far as to say that our words have the power of life and death. That you and I have the ability to encourage life in someone else. And you and I have the ability to discourage someone to death. I would be willing to bet that most of you in this room who have lived some time have had an experience where someone said something to you that was so encouraging and life-giving that years later you still remember it. And I would be willing to bet that you have had experiences where someone said something to you that was so critical, so stinging, and so mean that no matter what you do, you cannot forget it. Our words are power. And Proverbs tells us this over and over again. 
And Proverbs does tell us, restrain your lips, keep your tongue under control. All of that is very practical, but I want you to see what happens in verse 7. Look at what Solomon writes in verse 7. The lips of the wise spread knowledge, but not so the heart of fools. So what Solomon does there is he reveals this deeper mysterious truth that we're talking about because he he, um, interchanges the words for mouth and heart. He writes like they're the same thing. The lips of the wise are spreading knowledge, but not so the heart of fools. Why? Because foolish people have foolish hearts and they spread foolish words. Why do wise people spread wise knowledge? Because they have wise hearts. We speak from our heart. What we say is ultimately sourced in here, in our hearts. Jesus affirmed that in the Gospel. Jesus said in Matthew 15, what comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart. And that is what defiles a person. See, in the day of Jesus, the religious leaders of His time were always really, really concerned with what people were taking into their body. What they were doing, what they were eating, how they were eating, rituals and customs that might make them unclean, unpresentable before God. And Jesus comes along and He says, they've got it all wrong. The real issue of being presentable or unpresentable, clean or unclean before God, is not... The rituals, it's not just what you're doing, but it's who you are. It's your heart. When your heart is unclean, then from your heart flows all kinds of sin. And that is the mystery that has to be solved. Even beyond just self-control. Self-control... Even someone in the world could gain self-control perhaps over their tongue. Yet the, the heart of the problem not be solved. So Proverbs does much, as we have seen in all of these weeks together, Proverbs does much to give us practical help in solving that mystery and knowing how to get a hold of our mouths, not just by self-control, but by what is in us. So again in your notes... Practical wisdom on speaking rightly. What does Proverbs show us? First of all, God is sovereign. When I say that again, I mean God is ultimately all-powerful and in control. And ultimately, all things are about Him, from Him. And God is sovereign, so you and I need to constantly remember that only God can clean up a heart. Only God can do that. There is no spiritual exercise for you to do to purify your own heart. It is not a work. That twisted heart that is in us because of sin, we cannot heal that. Proverbs chapter 20, verse 9, asks a rhetorical question that leads us to this critical truth. Proverbs chapter 20, verse 9, asks, Who can say, I have made my heart pure? And the answer that is implied there is no one can say that. Because no one can purify their own heart. God alone is able to forgive sins and purify hearts. In our opening text this morning that Mike read for us from 1 Peter chapter 1, we covered this when we did our series in First and Second Peter. 
But Peter teaches the mechanism by which God purifies our souls. And in verse 22 that Mike read for us, Peter says, Having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth, now love one another earnestly from that pure heart since you have been born again. Now, if you just glance at that, it may seem like Peter is actually teaching that the act of purifying your heart belongs to you because he says, you've purified your souls by obedience to the truth. But that's not true. That that first glance is not accurate if we understand what he actually means by obedience to the truth. The truth is the gospel. How do you obey the gospel? You agree to its demands. What does the gospel demand of you? Believe. Believe that Jesus Christ and His finished work on the cross is enough. Believe that Jesus is able and willing to forgive you of your sins. Believe that Jesus is able to make your heart right. And show that belief through repentance. That is obedience to the truth. And that is the mechanism by which God makes our hearts pure. Obedient belief is what it means to be born again. And that is how God cleans our heart up. And in one sense, He immediately cleans it up. Because in that moment before Him, we are declared not guilty of our sins. And if we were to step into eternity, mere seconds later, we would stand perfect before Him. But in another sense, you spend the rest of your life growing in that pure heart that He has declared that you have. And that is part of God's mystery. So when it comes to our mouth, When you realize the struggles that you have with your speech, whatever they may be, with what you say and how you say it, you have to constantly remember that only God can ultimately clean your heart up. Only God can ultimately do the work that is needed because your mouth is speaking from your heart. So cry out to Him. Cry out to Him again and again and again and again. Every single time you see that impurity of heart show itself through what you say that is ungodly in some way. That impurity that's still in your heart that is being displayed by the ugliness of speech. And sometimes we can be really ugly in how we talk. Every time you see that, cry out to God. Confess and pray that only He can do that mysterious work that is needed. Ask Him to do it. Ask Him to clean your heart up. God will not turn you away. James says, if you seek wisdom, God will give it to you without making you feel bad, without guilt. So when you ask for the wisdom you need to speak rightly, God will give that. No matter how many times you have to go to Him. Over and over and over. And you see that cleanup happening in your heart. But Proverbs goes further than that. God is sovereign. And only God can clean up a heart. 
But part of God's mystery is that you and I are responsible. God's sovereignty and control over all things does not negate in the Bible our responsibility to put forth effort and work. You are responsible in your notes. By faith, you lead your heart. The heart that God changes, God gives you the responsibility to lead that heart in the direction it should go. You can even write above that if you want. You must lead your heart. You are responsible for that. In Proverbs 23, 19, it says, Hear my son and be wise and direct your heart in the way. Direct your heart in the way it should go. Only God can clean your heart up, but part of that mystery of His work is that He tells us to direct our heart in the way it should go. Send your heart in the right direction. Point it in the right direction. So how do we do that? Being as practical as we can. If you have a Bible this morning, turn over to Proverbs 22. Let me say, if you do not have a copy of God's Word, part of what we love to do at Agape is give you a copy. We have some study Bibles. If you don't have a copy of His Word, we would love to gift you with one of those study Bibles. So see me or see Nick after church today. And we will give you one. If you know someone in your life that needs a study Bible, let us know that as well. Proverbs chapter 22, verse 17 and 19. I just want you to see this progression that Solomon gives us about the words of wisdom that have been collected in Proverbs. He says, incline your ear and hear the words of the wise. So I submit to you this morning in in your notes, that first blank, the first step to directing your heart in the way you should go is here. Here. Incline your ear and hear the words of the wise. We must listen to wisdom. So yes, you come to church, you hear preaching from the Word of God. You go to a Bible study, you hear the study. You go to a, you go to a small group. But if that's the only diet of the words of wisdom that you have, you and I will be malnourished. We need every day to be sitting with God, sitting with Christ, taking in His Word. Reading it, hearing it. Read it out loud so that it goes from your mouth to your ears. Listen to it on audio, one of the Bible apps that you can get where it reads it to you. Take in God's wisdom. That's the first step to directing your heart. Then look at what Solomon says next. Incline your ear and hear the words of the wise. And then look, apply your heart to my knowledge. Apply your heart to my knowledge, for it will be pleasant if you keep them within you. Talking about the words of wisdom. So the second blank there, the second way in which we direct our heart is we embrace. We embrace what we're hearing. You and I do this all the time. We are constantly hearing things. We hear things in our family. We hear things at work. We hear things on the radio, if, if people still listen to that. It, you, you, listen to, you hear things in podcasts and movies. You are all the time hearing things, and you are all the time deciding if you're going to embrace what you just heard. When you read these words of wisdom, when you take those words in, You're not supposed to just hear them and then walk away. Proverbs says, embrace it. 
Apply your heart to my knowledge. It will be pleasant if you keep these words of wisdom within you. Set your heart on what you're hearing. You know what it means to set your heart on something. When you set your heart on something, that means you make it an object of your desire. I've set my heart to go to that place or to do this thing. I've set my heart to have this. You know what that means. The Bible says that should be how we embrace knowledge. Set your heart on it. Make it your desire, your pursuit. That's the idea here. What you read, you say, God, this is what I want. God, I want this. This is how I want to speak. This is how I want to live. You set your heart on it. And then look at what he says lastly in this little progression. For it will be pleasant if you keep them within you, if all of them are ready on your lips. If all of them, these words of wisdom, the third blank there, the third way in which we direct our heart is we speak. We hear, we embrace, we speak. It will be pleasant if all of them are ready on your lips. You and I should exert the effort to speak Scripture. To speak the wisdom that we are taking in. You should talk about it with others. You should talk about what you're reading and the wisdom of God. You should talk about that in your families. You should talk about that with friends. You should text it to one another. You should remind yourself about it. You should pray it back to God. Where we're going next week, our new series that we're going to be looking at in August and September is all about prayer. September is a month that we have traditionally set aside to focus on corporate prayer. All throughout August, we're going to be talking about prayer and our prayer life. It is so critical. And how we corporately pray. And part of prayer must be learning to pray back to God what He has written to us. To take this wisdom that we're reading and ask God to make it real to us. Ask God to make it apply to others in our lives. And part of that is we should try our best to not speak harshly or foolishly or unkindly. We should begin to see that we go to say something and immediately something that we've read from wisdom comes in our mind and we just like, mm. I don't say that. Of course, then there'll be someone there who will say, well, what were you going to say? Come on, we got to avoid that pressure. (laughs) Speak what you've heard. Embrace it. It's not the only way we direct our heart, but this is a good start. Hear, embrace, speak. Talk it out. To speak rightly, we must constantly have a trust In God, in Jesus, that He is doing a work of purifying our hearts. We have to pray about this. We have to ask for it to be done. We need to repent when we speak foolishly. And and I've said this many times, but I'll say it again, that I think when we sin privately, we repent privately. But sometimes the sin of our mouth 
It's to others. And we need to humble ourselves by repenting to them. We put forth an effort to lead our heart in the right way by hearing the wisdom of God and embracing it and speaking it out. Hearing His Word, embracing His Word, setting our heart on it, and then speaking it. And I want to end with motivation because I think Proverbs gives us a motivation to do these things. That final blank there. Be motivated to pursue the blessing of peace. Be motivated to do that. Again, I think because we live in kind of a a culture where we've all probably been introduced in some way to prosperity type thinking, prosperity gospel type thinking. Sometimes it seems odd to us that we're to be motivated by the promises of God, but it's throughout the Bible. Jesus promises us reward. You can't get away from that. And as we saw earlier in our prayer focus, Proverbs tells us that calmness of heart actually can have an overall impact on our well-being. Proverbs 14.30 says, A tranquil heart, peaceful heart, gives life to the flesh. Proverbs 15.13, A glad heart makes a cheerful face. And Proverbs 17.22, which we read earlier, A joyful heart is good medicine. Throughout the Bible, throughout Proverbs, we're told... Peace in your heart has a good impact on all of your life. Your mental health, emotional health, even physically. Some of you have probably had experiences with that before. If you've wrestled with depression, as many people have, you know depression can deplete even your physical energy. Joy in your heart can restore it and give you strength. I think when we disregard our hearts, when we take God's work of purification for granted, when we fail to faithfully lead our hearts, we introduce more stress into our lives. When we don't deal with bitterness, when we don't deal with forgiveness issues, with confusion, with doubt, when we leave those things alone and we don't address them with God and with the family that He's given us, It can harm us. Our whole well-being can be harmed. So we must know God is working in us. And He's given us the, the responsibility to direct our hearts by hearing His Word and embracing it and speaking it. And all of that will help lead us to a calmness. The circumstances around us may not change. The people around us may not change. But God is able to do something that does greatly change us and therefore it changes how we see everything happening around us and how we feel about it. Calmness in our hearts will ultimately lead to calmness in our words. When our heart is in turmoil, when our heart is distressed, when our heart is filled with impurity, our words will reflect that. One of the silliest illustrations I've ever heard from this in this church, from this speaking platform, wasn't me. 
but the pastor who was here when I got here, but I've never forgotten him talking about how people are like tubes of toothpaste because when you squeeze them, what's inside comes out. I've never forgotten that. Sometimes in our moments of being stressed and pressured, that's when our heart's tested. That's when we see what's in us. And it is a sign to run to God and ask for help and direct our hearts in the way that we should go. I want to ask our worship team if they'll come back up. We're not merely wrapping up the service. We want to end well in responding to God's Word. We want to end well in praying for one another. I want to ask you this morning that if you know there is an issue in your heart, in your love for God, in your relationship with Him, I want to say to you, and I say this often, but I feel like it needs to be said. I look around, I'm saying that to a group of people that we've probably been in church most of our lives. But that's not my question. My question is, do you know, is God revealing to you that there's something in your heart, in your relationship with Him, that just isn't what it needs to be? Before you leave today, would you be willing to share that with me, or share that with Nick, or share that with Kevin? And we will take an opportunity to speak with you, either today or later today or this week about what it is that God is revealing to you about your heart. And as we sing together and praise God, I also want to invite us to pray. And so we're going to have some prayer partners. I want to do something a little bit different today. So if you're a prayer partner, will you come up here to my left where you normally are? But I I do want to do something a, a bit different this morning. I want to start off a little bit different. So if you guys will just pause right here. Right there. Okay, first thing I want to ask, I want to ask a question. Is there... Actually, let me do this first. You guys, if in just a moment when I step away, rather than us ask you to come to us this morning, I want to make the invitation that we'll come to you. So if you need prayer for anything in just a moment, would you just kind of raise your hand and make eye contact with one of our prayer partners? They'll come pray with you where you are. And after a couple minutes, if they don't see anybody raising their hands, they'll just stand here. They'll just wait. If anybody wants to come up and be prayed for, they can. But we want to make the make the invite. We went to the movies this week with our family and had an opportunity to go see a movie. And we went to one of those theaters where they will bring your food to your seat. I don't even know why I said that. That's, that's just silly. But anyway, we want to bring prayer to where you are if you want to be prayed for this morning. Forget I said anything about that. All right. Sometimes it sounds good for just a moment and then it comes out and you're like, oh no, that wasn't good. I want to ask you specifically this morning if you're struggling with joy, if you're struggling in your heart, if you're struggling with something in here that's making its way in how you speak, it's a good day to be prayed for. It's a good day to ask for help. I also need a couple of volunteers. If you're if you're if you're a guy in this room, and you and I'm not going to tell you up front, it's not a preacher trick. I'm not going to call you up here, okay? If you're a guy in this room that has struggled before in your job with difficulty in finding a job or difficulty in the job you were in, would you raise your hand so I can see your hand? 
Tim, will you come right here? Ray, will you come right here? Was there anybody else? Mike, would you guys meet me right here? Just a moment, I'm gonna, I'm gonna meet you right there. I've got, uh, I got something I want you to help me with. Father, I ask this morning that we would respond to your word rightly. Father, you are so gracious to us. You have placed us in, a, in, a, in an area. You have divinely orchestrated it so that our lives, we live in a place where we can freely gather and worship. Your church has not enjoyed that privilege always. Even today, there are people, brothers and sisters of Christ, who do not enjoy that opportunity to freely and openly gather. Father, let us never take it for granted. Father, thank you. Make us people that even if one day that right was taken from us, we would not stop desiring and finding ways to meet. Thank you for the worship that has happened. God, please help us now to respond. God, you are sovereign. You do the work of the heart. I'm asking God right now, in your mercy, would you please, would you please heal our hearts? Would you please, God, purify our souls? If there's anyone in this room who doesn't know you, would you cause this to be the day they are saved and follow through in baptism? If there's anyone in this room that is far from you, that is struggling with joy, with peace, that their whole life right now feels bitter, and this morning you have revealed to them that bitterness is in their heart, would you, God, bring healing today? You don't just reveal that. For them to suffer, you reveal that they might be healed. Father, would you please move among us. Help us to pray and worship well in response to your word. In Jesus' name, amen.